Good morning, everybody. What a glorious morning. What a wonderful, wonderful morning to be with you all. God bless you. And God, God bless you. Happy Friends and Family Sunday here at SMSK. If this is your first time being with us. We want to offer you a very warm welcome. Um, and we love you very, very much, and we're happy you're here. So we've been doing this series on anger um, in this last little while. This is, you know, episode four. Um, in the beginning, we start off just talking about how anger is this intense, displeasurable, almost reflex emotion of aggression to eliminate an obstacle that stands between us and the thing that we really want to get to, or the thing that we feel we deserve, or the thing we feel is ours. And so you can see with from the language I'm using that anger is actually rooted in a sort of sense of entitlement. Whether it's something big or something small, anger will always be rooted in some either a sense of entitlement or a deep sense of hurt. Um, and and that hurt is not just a surface hurt. When we react strongly to a stimulus, it's because there's a deeper hurt inside. And we talked about that in sort of episode two, right? That there's oftentimes a deeper hurt which is inside. And so the person who got me angry, the, the annoying, irritating person that I just wish would be out of my life, They've, they're actually my diagnostician. They're actually the person who has helped to show me where I, I have a hurt. And I kind of shared a personal story in the second one that, that you know, at home I would kind of react disproportionately to a particular stimulus. And I actually went to go see a therapist and she helped to point out to me, you know, things in my life. And, and then I brought those things to Christ, the healer. And he healed me. And my family is just the same as they always are. They're angels and saints. They are, right? But those, that, the little thing that they would inadvertently do doesn't set me off anymore. Because they, kept, they were sticking their you know, salt and vinegar chips fingers in my wound. You know? It's not their, it's not their fingers. It's, it's my wound. Right? And so I get angry and I feel the other person is the problem. And, and maybe they are, but maybe I also have a deep hurt inside. And then the next week we talked about how, how the, one of the biggest things to help us to stop getting angry with people, with ourselves, with anybody, is actually to stop justifying it. And so last week we talked about how, you know, we can make a case that anger is unjustifiable. And we spoke very briefly about what justified anger is and that God himself actually gets angry. And we, we have the capacity to get angry because we're created in his image and likeness. We're just a photocopy of him. So if he has the ability to get angry, we would also have the ability to get angry. But his ability to get angry, he uses it against temptation. He uses it against sin. He uses it against whatever would, would come between what he holds dear and himself, which is you and me, right? And I use my anger to eliminate anything that could come between me and what I hold dear, which is stuff. So he is ready to get anything out of the way even to become incarnate, to live the life of Christ, to die on the cross for us, 
to remove anything out of the way, to be one with us, to be one with me, to be one with my neighbor, and I am ready to murder my neighbor to get my stuff, to get what I want. You got to look this up on YouTube if you have got nothing else to do, because of course, all of us have nothing else to do. Look at, look up, just Google neighbor wars or YouTube. It's hilarious. It's hilarious when neighbors, physical neighbors, really go to war with each other, right? But is it really that hilarious? Is it really about those crazy neighbors, those crazy neighbors that do crazy things to each other, right? Or is it actually about me? and my uncontrollable anger. And so today's talk is called Out of Control. Because sometimes when I get angry, I get out of control. I say things, I do things that I know I will regret later. In fact, I remember a time when I was in... Uh, uh, conflict with somebody who happens to have the same spiritual father as me. So I called my spiritual father up and I asked him, I told him, look, this is the situation. Here, here's the evidence. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, pieces of evidence right through to Z and the whole way back, you know, A prime, the whole way through Z prime, double A prime. I mean, I had a stockpile of evidence against this person. That's my old man. Hopefully, most of you haven't, haven't met him. He's not a nice guy. He's very smart. He's very, he's very eloquent. And he will get his way no matter what. No matter how much he shouldn't. And we've, tried to, we've tried to bury him far, far away and let Jesus replace him with the new man. But he managed to make an appearance. So my spiritual father said to me, You know what, Abuna, you're right. You're right. Everything you've said makes sense. And if you want to take all of this evidence to your brother and go and slaughter him politely, there'd be nothing wrong with that. But he's your brother, right? Yes. So eventually, my spiritual father says to me, I believe that you, you guys will figure it out. And you'll, you'll be good friends once again. So it's up to you, he says to me, like how deep a hole you want to dig, because you're the one who's going to climb out of it. So you want to go and, and completely demolish his self-esteem and show him all of his faults blank to his face, and prove to him how terrible of a human being he is, go for it. You're like, you're his friend. You're the one who's going to, like, when he's struggling with his low self-esteem, when he's struggling with his sense of low self-worth, you're the one who's going to be encouraging him and strengthening him and so on to get him out of it. So, you know, how, how deep a hole do you want to dig, Abuna, because you're the one who's going to climb out of it again anyways. Those were really wise words. I don't know, they really resonated with me. And they made me realize the words that I say, the actions that I do, right? If I truly believe in the Eucharist, and we spoke about that in maybe the second episode, 
right? If, if I really believe that I am one with my neighbor, the hurt that I cause my neighbor, the hurt that I cause my spouse, the hurt that I cause my children, I'm the one who's going to have to help heal it. So there's something to be said for like reining in, you know, out of control, wild, angry, furious, wrathful, outrageous John. There's something to be said for, 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 for reining it in a little bit. Proverbs says, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is, has a hasty temper exalts folly. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. We decided the moment I saw my two-year-old get angry, I realized I have a problem. So my wife doesn't get angry. My two-year-old hasn't had many other influences other than me and my wife. And I get angry. So I realized that like, I'm giving an inheritance to my children, and it's not all like good. So I spoke with Mary, and we decided we were gonna have an they were going to have an intervention. So they had an intervention with me the next time I got angry. They called me out on it, both Anna and Mary. Zoe wasn't born yet, right? And they called me out on it, and they said, Anna said to me, Daddy, you're getting angry, right? And I got down on my knees, and I said, you're right. I am getting angry, and that's a sin. And I'm sorry, and I said to Sarah, sorry to her, and I said sorry to Mary. And I said, I'm going to go pray and say sorry to Jesus. And that changed everything. That changed everything. We talked about that yesterday. Repentance changes everything. So the next time I was about to get angry, all eyes were on me. And you know what? They noticed when I didn't. They said, Anna said to me, Daddy. I said, yes. She said, you didn't get angry. Scripture is so true, it's intuitive to children. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. Somewhere else in Proverbs, it says, any man who keeps silent is thought to be wise, but many mistakes are found in many words. I used to say that at work sometimes, and I think my humor was lost on my subordinates. <laughs> in any event, the consequence of me losing, my, losing control, right, is this. So This happens to me all the time. People are coming to talk to me about anger, uh, you know, uh, couples, mar married couples, friends, or whatever, and the, someone will often say this. Very often, I'd say 50% of the time, I hear this. When I look at him, her, they look like a completely different person because they're out of control. They're out of control. I'm out of control. I'm not me anymore. I've become, what have I become? Angry, <laughs> right? No, 
I'm John. My identity is John. I'm not angry, Boutros. I'm John, Boutros. My identity is John. But that, that completely, in the rush of emotion and the, in the aggression and in the heat of it, that gets lost. And people say, his face, her face changes. I can't even recognize him. Yes. And the, and the Desert Fathers teach us that these, these passions, anger, lust, gluttony, you know, covetousness, etc., etc., the, the eight passions and so on, these aren't like um, ideological things. They aren't psychological things. These are demons. These are demons. There's a demon whose name is anger, who knows how to rile me up. And he, you know, winds the crank, winds the crank, winds the crank, you know? and then waits for somebody to press the button so the jack-in-the-box can come out, right? That's, that's, yes, yes, I can't recognize you, John, when you get angry. Yes, you're right, absolutely. So who are you recognizing? Whose face are you looking into? The face of anger. I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that for my wife. I don't want that for my kids. I don't want that for my colleagues. I don't want that for my employees. I don't want that for my friends. The people that we get the most often angry with are the people we're the closest to. Because, you know, the, the, the proximity causes friction. It's normal. It's normal. You put two things closer together, we're going to have more friction than two things that are wide apart. The only people that we get angry with that we're not really close to is like road rage or, or people at the grocery store. But other than that, everybody we get angry with are people that are in our direct... They're actually people we care about. They're actually people that we know their name. And they're actually people that we spend most of our time and energy trying to ensure their well-being. So the whole thing just doesn't... I don't want to be that person. And then I have to do the damage control. Then I have to come back and say, I'm sorry. Then I have to come back and say, I didn't really mean those things I said. Then I have to come back and... It's messy. It's messy. We've got to rein it. We've got to find a way to get some control. Ecclesiastes says, Be not quick to anger, for anger lodges in the bosom of fools. And you see somebody really angry, what do you say to yourself? They're making a fool of themselves. I don't want that. I don't want that. Proverbs 29.11 says, A fool gives full vent to his spirit. Sometimes we get this temptation, I'm just going to let it out. You know, I'm just going to let it out, and then I'll feel better. <laughs> yeah, but everybody will feel worse. And I'll feel ten times worse when I have to clean up the mess of me letting it out. Right? A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. So, let's get practical. How can we quietly hold it back? like Scripture is telling us. What do the Desert Fathers have to say to us? What do the, does the early church have to say to us? You know what they tell us? They tell us, pause. In uh, you know, our modern-day English, take a deep breath. Pause. Take a deep breath. Take a step back. Go outside. Go for a run. Go exercise. Pause. Get out of the fire. Right? Make your target out of range so that you can't hit it. I do that. I literally will put my shoes on and say, I'm going for a walk, right? My poor family doesn't know if that's for two minutes or two hours. I'm going 
for a walk, right? Why? Because I'm going for a walk and the sudden abandonment is far better. It's not a good thing. It would be good if I didn't have these feelings at all. And may God heal me from them permanently. Plug for next week, right? We're talking damage control this week. Next week we're talking full, you know, lifetime cure, right? But the sudden abandonment of me, you know, suddenly saying, I'm going for a walk and walking out the door is far better than me making a mess of things and then having to clean them up. Pause. Take a deep breath. Say a prayer. <sighs> Lord Jesus Christ, help me. Say a prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, I can't handle this. Say a prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, I need you now. Exercise is great. So many people tell me, I'll go to the gym immediately after work, you know, and lift some weights and get home with a clear mind. And leave all of the frustrations and irritations of work at the gym. Great, do that. That's step one. Pause. Pause. Distance yourself somehow from the stimulus and from the people that might be the, 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 the collateral damage. The second thing I do, and this has very much to do with week one, is ask, yourself, ask a question. Ask the other person. If you can't step away, ask the other person a question. Because then they have to talk. And then you can think. Right? So one of my friends here in, in church taught me two great questions to ask when I start to feel my blood boiling. One of them is, can you tell me more about that? You know, somebody's accusing you of something or whatever. Give them more room. You know, I'm sure they have more to say. They can talk. I can think about how I want to deal with this. Tell me more about that. Or can you give me an example? I actually practice these things in the mirror, no joke. I actually stop and practice these things in the mirror so that I can say them in the, in the heat of the moment the way I want to say them, with the tone I want to say them, with the, the, the facial expression I want to say them so that they come across the right way. So it's not, yeah, well, give me an example, right? No, like, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm, I'm trying to do like make things better here, right? So although my sarcasm may want to show itself and so on, for example, or can you tell me a little bit more about that? Then I ask myself a question. Okay, so I'm, you're angry, John. Yeah. So what are, you, what are you angry about? What do you feel so entitled to? And are you actually entitled to it? And we talked a whole lot about this in, like the, in, the, in, the, in episode one, so go back and watch it if you want to or don't, right? But like, as a Christian, what am I actually entitled to? Jesus himself divested himself of all, made himself entitled to nothing, and died for us on the cross. So where exactly did I suddenly become better than my master? Where suddenly did I become more deserving than my master? When he was mistreated, when he was stripped naked, when he was humiliated, when he was shamed, when he was wounded, when he was thrown under the bus, literally, by his closest friends, he prayed for their forgiveness. He didn't hold on to his godliness, like St. Paul tells us, but he gave it up freely that he would become a slave of all, that he might save us. So, John, what do you feel so entitled to? And are you really entitled to it? The other question I ask myself is, okay, this one's that first one was a bit kind of religious. So if you're not into that, 
kind of religious stuff. That's fine. Don't worry. I got another one for you. John, is this really worth it? Is it really worth it? The episodes two and three, we talked about how, how the anger does a lot more damage to me than it does to the other person. Like holding on to anger is like holding on to a steak knife from the blade side. The, the harder you hold on to it, the more it hurts you. Like, is it, is it really worth it for you, right? Can, can I just, can I overlook it? You can't, there's some things that you can't overlook. There's some things that need to be dealt with. Not with anger, but they need to be dealt with. Proverbs again says to us, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is glory to overlook an offense. Scripture says it's glory to overlook an offense. World tells you you're a pushover if you look over a, uh, overlook an offense. You're a doormat if you overlook an offense. Now, to be taken in context and to be dealt with appropriately, we're not talking about domestic violence or we're not talking about, you know, you know, abuse and so on. But can can I overlook it? Can I? This person cut me off. This person jumped ahead of me in the grocery line. This this person said an off comment. This person knows that this is a real sensitivity to me and they still brought it up. Can I, just, can I just let it go? Is it worth bringing it up? Is it worth it to me to allow myself inside me to get all riled up? After I took a breath, asked the person a question to get them to continue talking so I have a moment to think, I asked myself, you're, you're like, your heart rate is climbing, John. Do you want that? Like, it's your choice. It's up to you. But do you really do you really want like do you really want to like you know lose quality life years over this? Like it's up, you know? And sometimes most of the time, you know, it's easier to just just let it go. Just let it go. The last thing I'll share with you is the interactions that I have with people are far more important than the transaction. I was just talking with a friend of mine who organized a really big trip. Like 50 people went on this trip. The travel agent did everything the organizer asked him not to do. Right? You think he's going to do business with them again? Never. They made it back safely. Nobody died. Everybody was healthy. He never wants to talk to that, that agency again, right? The interaction, the way we leave people, is far more important than the transaction. So we said, let's wrapping up here, take a deep breath, take a step back, walk away, something, distance yourself from the irritants, and from the thing that is, could, be, could be the target of my anger, right? To give myself a moment. Ask a question. Get the other person to do the talking so you have a moment to think. When you have a moment to think, ask yourself some questions. What do I feel entitled to? And is this really worth it? And the last thing is, whoever it is who's standing in front of me is probably worth far more to me than the thing that I'm actually upset about. Four simple things that can help us to rein in the anger a little bit. And you'll be saying, 
Um, just a quick announcement. We're wrapping up, but anyways, if you parked on the same side as the church, the northbound side of the church, because of the construction, they're towing the cars that are there because there's only one lane. So um, yeah, you might wanna you might wanna run down and move your car. If you just go north on uh, on Bathurst and turn right on Ulster and turn right on Lippincott, you'll find another parking lot which is will be completely empty. Um, if you're parked on the northbound side, the same side as the church, you might want to go and move your car. Just go further north, two rights, and you'll find an empty parking lot. So, four things. We'll review again, sorry. Take a deep breath. Distance yourself from whatever's irritating you and from whatever might be, you know, the target of, of your anger. Ask the other person a question. Get them thinking. Make them talk. It gives you a moment to think, right? Then ask myself a question. What do I really feel entitled to? Is it really worth it? Is this, is, this, is this actually really worth it? And the last thing is prioritize the person. Take a good look at the person. And I tell myself, they're worth more to me than whatever it is I'm getting angry over. Now, you might tell me, Father John, that's really, this, this, is, this is stuff I can do. Like, this is, this is practical, right? But this helps me to deal with it in the moment. But I get angry like 20 times a day. Like, this is not sustainable. I need a long-term solution. And that's what we'll talk about next week, the cure for our souls. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. Oh.